This is episode number 90 with former Major League Baseball player, now Insulation franchise owner, Brandon Beachy. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side and I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often, it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now, let's drop into the episode. Hey, 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 P2F listeners, what's up? And thanks for dropping in to another episode. Very excited about this one. I'm joined today by Brandon Beachy. Uh, Brandon's someone I've been fortunate enough to get to know over the last year or so. He and I originally connected because he had started researching a franchise that my wife and I had very recently signed franchise agreements for. So Brandon wanted to pick my brain a little bit since then. Uh, we're both franchise owners in the same franchise organization. Brandon has gone on to become the top performing franchisee in this entire system based on sales volume. So I've been able to learn a lot from him. Uh, and, and we've, you know, stayed in, in regular touch, but Brandon's got a very interesting pathway to becoming a franchise owner and wanted him to share that story, share how he, Got started looking in franchise ownership, some of the obstacles that he's overcome, some of the challenges that he's faced 
And, you know, really a year into being a franchise owner, some of the biggest lessons that he's learned and advice he would pass on to someone else considering investing in a franchise business for themselves. So with that, let's go ahead and drop in with Brandon Beachy. What's up, Path to Freedom listeners? Thanks for dropping in. Very excited to introduce you to my guest today. I'm joined by Brandon Beachy. Uh, Brandon and I, I don't know, we we got introduced through a mutual connection probably a little over a year ago. Um, you were researching a franchise that my wife and I had, I, th I think, recently signed franchise agreements for. And, and so you were just kind of picking my brain. So we're both franchisees with Koala Insulation is, is how we kind of initially met and uh, thought it would be great to have you come on the podcast and, and share a little bit of your experience uh, getting into franchise ownership. And now you're I, I'll, I'll say it because you probably won't. You're the, the top performing franchisee in the Koala Insulation system after what, probably 12, 13 months of, of being in business. So Definitely want to have you share a little bit of uh, the success that, that you've had and what you've learned. But Brandon, appreciate you making time to drop in with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Wes. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Good, yeah. good talking to you again. Yeah, always, always. Um, hey, so for those for those listening, there there may be some some uh, diehard sport fans that, that recognize the name or if they see a picture of you would recognize you. But tell us a little bit. What did you do before you got into owning a franchise um, and the, the crazy world of franchising that, that we're in now? Yeah, I kind of went from one crazy world to the other. <laughs> I yeah, uh, yeah I. Uh, I was fortunate enough. I, I, I signed a, a contract after my junior year of, of college uh, with the Atlanta Braves as an undrafted free agent, uh, rose up to the major leagues, made, you know, made some waves, did, did really well. And then the, and then the injury bug hit and, uh, you know, about 10 years and five or six surgeries later, I was kind of, you know, career was over, probably a lot longer than that. But uh, but I kind of st stuck with it. I, I kept making comeback attempts and, and doing things. And and what I later realized was all that was kind of out of fear. I, I mm. didn't know what was next. I didn't know what I could do, what I was good at. I, uh, you know, kind of looking at it from a, a 10,000 foot view, I've, I've learned, you know, a big part of that was in baseball. It's very very, you know, laid out and regimented. You start, yeah. you start in rookie ball, then you go to low A, then you go to high A, double A, triple A, big leagues. And, you know, so I grew up in my adult life in that system and looking to transition, I kind of assumed that everything else worked the same way. Yeah. That, well, here I go. Now I got to go back to the bottom rung of this ladder and climb my way out. Um, so, you know, when I made that decision to finally be done again, probably three years later than it should have been, mm -hmm. um, I started, started networking, started looking around, just trying to figure out, you know, what do I want my life to look like? I had to figure that out first. Yeah. And then, and then it was, okay, well, who, who, who lives a life that's, that's similar to what I want mine to look like and what do they do? How do they, how do they do it? So I started trying to talk to people, meet people, um, figure that out. And uh, 
And that's when I got introduced to uh, another uh, franchise consultant. Um, And immediately on that first phone call, I, uh, you know, the light went off. I was like, for multiple reasons, it was this, this is a path toward the freedom that I want. This is, this can provide the life I want for myself and my family, uh, first of all. And then the second thing was, you know, I was kind of pissed off. I was like, why, why didn't someone in my world in, in baseball connect me to this person or someone like them sooner or right away? Yeah. And, uh, and immediately I was like, I want to be, I want to own a franchise, if not multiple eventually. And I also want to consult and help people that are in this, the shoes I'm in right now. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, there, there's just, there's a lot, you know, I went from, from an undrafted guy thinking I'd never make it to making it to, to then, you know, staying laser focused to try to prove that I belong there to then being really good and then hurt and then, and then out of the game. And it's just, you know, my identity over time became that whether I wanted it to or not. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that gets stripped away and, and then, you know, where, where do you go next? Yeah. I, I can imagine, you know, making it to the, the highest levels of sports like you did. I mean, whether, whether you're even realizing it or not, so much of your identity gets, gets tied to play in that sport. Right. Cause I mean, not only did you spend, you know, most of your adult life playing, but I would imagine a lot of your, your childhood and growing up, you know, revolved around playing sports and, you know, you got into college to play ball and got, got, uh, you know, signed after college. Um, so I, I can see, and, and I've heard other, you know, professional athletes talk about that too. And, and, you know, not knowing what they wanted to do next. And it's interesting that you, you brought up kind of being frustrated that, that someone in major league baseball didn't talk to you. Cause that, that's something I was actually going to ask you about was, you know, do they have programs or any sort of courses for players that that you know know they're not going to play the game forever know they need to figure out what they're going to do after ball um to to help educate about franchising um i worked i worked with a guy a a couple years ago that briefly played in the nfl and and he told me that that he remembered seeing like optional courses that they could sign up for that were were kind of about you know, franchising and, and learning how franchising works and investment opportunities. So I was, I was curious if, if MLB had anything like that to, to your knowledge. Um, no, uh, they had a, through the alumni association and players union, um, they had a transition program. Um, and I went through it, but it really, it really didn't offer me much more value than what I was already doing. Okay. And, uh, you know, in the last six months or so, you know, um, I don't think you mentioned this yet, but I'm, I'm now, you know, a, a consultant as well. Yep. And, uh, you know, trying to fill that void in, in that world. And it's, uh, you know, it's a very guarded world for good, for good reason. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, everybody kind of looks at, at everybody from the outside as if they're, you know, trying to take advantage of them in some way. And I get that. Yeah. You know, understandable not true um 
but yeah, there wasn't there there weren't courses like that. I think the NFL does a better job of trying to teach and have active, um, you know, learning while people are in their careers. There there are things um, after, and and this is what I've found is there's a there's a lot of things out there. Um, there's a lot of resources and tools now being built around helping you with the mental side of transition. Mm. Um, you know, just what do you do with yourself on a daily basis? Um, dealing with some of that identity and, and, and all those kinds of things. But there isn't really anything. There's nothing tangible that says. Here, let's l- look at this could be an actual career for you. Right. Here is an actual career path that you can that you can look down. It's all, you know, pr- preparing you. For something like that but then it, it ultimately everything else that i found out there just kind of releases you to then look and find that on your own right so there was nothing that really said hey you know now that that mentally you've started kind of preparing for this here are some actual action steps to take to start exploring some different different avenues and and that's what i think is going to be so cool for you you know you've, you've figured out you know kind of how franchising works taken the the hardest step for most people, which is actually pulling the trigger and investing in yeah. a franchise business. You've put in the work, you've figured out how to be successful, which doesn't mean that, that you know, in your current franchise business, you don't have room to keep improving and, and keep growing that business. You always will. Um, but now you're in such a cool position where, because you, you are kind of an insider, right? I, I can totally see why, you know, MLB would not want someone like me that has no ties to, to major league baseball to come in and try to be like the, the franchise consultant to, to former players. But, but what a cool position for you to now go back and, and find ways to help other people that are coming out of very similar circumstances to what you were transitioning out of and just help them learn, you know, what, what you've now been able to learn and it won't be for everyone. Um, but, but having someone like you, that's actually walking it, uh, be a resource, I think will be, will be invaluable. And, um, when, when I heard that you were joining our, our consulting network, I was excited. And that was one of the first things that popped into my mind is, you know, he's, he's probably going to go be able to help a lot of former players that, that are trying to figure out what next, because, you know, I, I think one thing with, with franchising and especially the type of work that we do, because, you know, we don't work with a lot of the companies that, that people, tend to think of when they think of franchises like we don't work with a lot of food brands and you know certainly don't work with the the big food franchise names out there that everyone recognizes and and there's this whole world of franchising that that most people don't even really know exists or they don't really think about that like we own an, an insulation franchise it's not the type of franchise business most people think of when mm-hmm. when they hear the term franchising right and so I think there's a lot of opportunity for people like us that have been fortunate to to kind of be introduced to some of the opportunities that are out there to then educate other people and and just help them see, you know, what opportunities are out there. You know, what does franchising look like when it's done right? Because like anything in this life, it's not always done right. There are plenty of franchises out there that I wouldn't invest in. I wouldn't advise someone else to invest in, but but when it's done right, it's a very effective model and, and there's some great opportunities out there. 
Um, so I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for people like us to just help other people understand it better. Yeah, I, I, and that's kind of a, the role I'm filling right now is is even you know more so than other consultants where I'm I'm working with people that need education up front. They don't necessarily know that they want to buy a business or buy into a franchise system because they don't know anything about it. You know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm teaching them the same way I, I was taught. And, uh, and, you know, when I was at that kind of low point of what, what do I do next? I would have given anything just to, just to talk to somebody so that I could cross something off my list of what yeah. to do. Right. And, and yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to, to kind of provide that for, for other people. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I've always looked at the the consulting work that I do as as first and foremost being educational. And I, I tell every single person that I speak with that, you know, look, I, I fully realize that not everyone I work with is going to go on to buy a franchise business. It's not right for everyone. The timing's not not always going to be right. So if I can help you understand franchising and if I can help you figure out that it's not a good fit, or that the timing is not right, I look at that as a success, right? Because that's saving, potentially saving someone a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of frustration by getting into yeah. something that they're not ready for or is not right for them, right? And then on the flip side, you know, we can help people understand, you know, different types of franchises that are out there and the right way to look at it. Because, you know, one of the things I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on is, you know, how did you get to the point of realizing that an insulation business could be the right type of franchise for you. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that all the time you spent playing baseball, you didn't do a lot of moonlighting as, as an insulation expert. You'd be correct <laughs> with that assumption. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I identified a few things in, in the business model that I, that were very attractive to me, the ability to, to scale it, um, you know, it's kind of true of all service industries where I could, I could really scale a, the potential to have a big business without, you know, opening up five or six locations. Just, yep. just take, you know, I identified a market here in, in Nashville that, that seemed to be a great fit uh, for, for what I was going to be doing. Um, you know, I, you know, I, uh, trying to think it just it, it seemed like something um that i didn't i didn't need a lot of prior knowledge um i, I could dive in and uh and again it was really just the the scalability and the uh and the market that i matched up together that i that i really liked and then i i kind of i was counting on and and have been proven right so far by the fact that you know, my, my drive and my effort was going to be rewarded, you know, yeah. and I could rely on those things that, that I had and apply them, you know, to, to pretty much any industry, which I think is, is pretty true. So, so I love that. How did you figure that out? Was that something, so the, the consultant that you worked with is a guy named Andy, you know, I have a ton of respect for Andy. He's a fantastic guy. He owns businesses, right? So he's not just kind of on the sidelines telling other people how to find a business. Like he's he's doing it himself. Um, great guy, definitely an expert. Did did he 
have to really kind of work with you to, to help you adopt that type of mindset? Cause I know that's, that's a misconception I run into pretty often with, with people that I'm working with is they would look at whatever they've been doing, right. Whether it's working in a certain industry in corporate or, you know, in your case, playing professional sports, and then they would look at, at a, a franchise in a certain industry, you know, in the case of the business that we own insulation and say, well, Wes, I don't know anything about insulation. Therefore, there's no way I could own an insulation business. It sounds like you were able to figure out pretty quickly that the skill set that you developed, you know, hard work, determination, not giving up, that's going to translate well to, to any business in any industry. And you don't necessarily need to be an expert in whatever, whatever the widget is, whatever the product or the services that the company provides. So how did you get to that point? Um, I don't, I don't know. Initially, I, I remember, you know, I, I worked with Andy for a while and at one point we kind of put things on pause and, and, you know, his, his first instinct was to, you know, bring me things that were fitness related because of my background. And, and I, you know, it took talking to a few of them to realize, you know what, I, I just, that's not something I want to do. Um, I, I don't need it to be something I would, you know, be a customer in myself or no matter what I, you know, what my hobbies are, I, I, I'm looking to build a business and it just didn't provide the same opportunity to scale yeah. in one location the, the way the service industry did. And uh, yeah, so, and then, you know, I guess my mindset, I've always been, you know, I learned it, you know, coming up, you know, I was, I was an undrafted guy. I was the guy on every team through professional baseball that, you know, was never the most talented. It was, it was always, you know, me having to, to work, to, to study, to, to adapt, constantly adapt, to try to get better, to, to get where I, you know, where I ultimately got. And it was, I realized pretty quickly that I, I could do that. Like if, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, you know, put in the time and the effort and be willing to listen and learn, Mm. then, then, you know, I, I just maybe foolishly had this belief that I could, I could penetrate any, any industry and learn it and, uh, and find people, you know, to help me get there. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would say it's, it's definitely not a foolish belief. I mean, you know, franchising's like anything, right. You're going to get out of it, what you put into it. And, you know, yes, if, if you're getting into the right type of franchise, there's going to be some great support to help you get there. You know, the franchisor should be able to help kind of decrease that learning curve, right? Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast, and that's because franchising's had a massive impact on my life, and it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. 
you know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at pathtofreedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. I always tell people, you know, one of the the biggest things you're paying for when you pay, you know, the initial franchise fee is you're paying to avoid mistakes the franchisor and other franchisees before you have already made. And, and that's very, very valuable. But what you're not getting with a franchise is you're not, you're not getting an easy button. You're not getting a, you know, paying for someone else to come yeah. in and do the work for you. It really, at the end of the day, you're paying to, to work smart instead of only hard. You're still going to have to work hard, but you're, you're able to go about it in a smarter way than trying to just figure it all out yourself. But there's, there's no replacement for the hard work. And, and I would imagine that, yeah, everything you learn playing sports at a high level and, and the hard work and determination you had to put in to get to that high level ha- has served you very well, you know, now as, as a business owner. Yeah. And I, I got a piece of advice, you know, all the things you mentioned about a franchisor are super important. They're, you know, they're not, if they could do it, they wouldn't, they wouldn't sell franchises. They would just open up more corporate locations, right? Exactly. If it was that easy. Um, and, and, you know, I was given a piece of advice really early on and they said, you know, they just relayed it. Yeah. Somebody told me who probably told them like, you know, no, uh, no franchisee is ever satisfied with the amount of support they get from the franchisor. Yep. And if, and if you are going to let, your success be determined by that level of support, you will assuredly fail. Yes. And, and, you know, I, I understood that I could not have opened up a business on my own without a lot of the back end things that the franchisor has taken care of for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But then beyond that, 
I looked at it as, you know, it's my job to learn this industry in my market and figure out how to make this be successful. Anything I can get from, from the franchise itself beyond that is icing on the cake. It's but it's, it's not, it's not going to determine whether I succeed or fail. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and I think that's, that's a very, it's the way you have to look at it to, to really be successful. And, you know, you, your piece of advice that you got is very similar to some advice I got a long time ago from, you know, someone that's a, a mentor to me. Um, he's the, the CEO of one of the franchise companies I used to work for. He's a franchisee. He's probably owned six or seven different franchise businesses over the years. And some of those he was not very successful in. He would call them failures. And, and he said to me a long time ago, and it's always stuck, he said, the franchisor cannot keep you from being successful. They can only help you be more successful. And I think it's really just a slightly different way of, of kind of saying the same thing that, yeah. that you just shared. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, we could choose to sit here and, and probably talk for the next hour plus about things that would be nice if our franchisor was doing a little bit differently or doing better. You know, my wife and I own another franchise business and there's plenty of things that, that we could talk about, but what's the point, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, um, I don't know. I got introduced to, to stoic philosophy a few years ago and have, have done some reading on that and, and the gist of it, at least the way, the way I understand it is, a lot of stuff's going to happen and, and most of it's going to be outside of your control. You need to choose to, to actually focus on the things you have the ability to control and the ability to impact. And, and it's no different, right? We can't control what the franchisor does or doesn't do, but we can control what we do and, and what we yeah. implement in, in our business, in our local market. So uh, for everyone listening out there, that's, that is golden advice and, and it definitely applies to any franchise you could own, you will never be 100% satisfied with, with what the franchisor does or doesn't do. So don't even have that expectation going in. Yeah. And that, I, I mean, the way you, you know, I, I can make a, an illustration or an analogy, you know, back to baseball and not, not to always bring things back to that, but it's, you know, what you described is exactly what my job was as a pitcher. You know, I could literally only control that baseball and where I threw it. And I didn't judge my success based on what the hitter did with that pitch. Mm. It was more, you know, did I accomplish, you know, did I, did I hit my location with the type of movement that I was setting out to do? And if I did, whether they hit the ball or not, that's a success. And I can go back and look later if I, if I feel like I'm executing really well, and then the results aren't aren't great, you know. That's that's a part of a process that you you adjust. But I'm I'm executing, and I can yeah. only like you said, you can only control what you can control. And and thinking, you know, if you focused on that, you know, everything else over time is going to get you where you want to be. Yeah, that's a beautiful analogy. And I mean, same thing is, you know, you could throw the perfect pitch and and get the batter to swing and pop it up like you were trying to do, and then your center yeah. fielder could drop it right? Outside of your control, right? Second baseman can miss an easy ground ball, botch a throw, any number of things that are outside of your control that could happen. And, you know, I mean, while we're drawing some of those analogies, I would imagine that there's, there's definitely some other similarities in especially playing sports at, at the professional level and being a franchisee, right? Like 
you played for the Braves, right? Pretty, pretty nice organization, right? Like they've got some money behind them. I would imagine the clubhouse was pretty nice. I've been to the new stadium. It's pretty sweet. Um, you know, the, the team and the, the executive staff and the coaching staff can give you guys as players all of these different resources. They're probably not perfect. I'm sure you could look around at other teams and be like, well, damn, I wish we had that like they do, or yeah. damn, that would be nice. But, you know, they can put all of that there, but it's up to you what you do with it. You know, yeah. they can't they can't make you go out there and perform on the field. Only you can put in the work to to do that. So I, I think that may be a, a kind of a good analogy. I don't know. I've, I haven't I haven't spent a lot of time in, in major league clubhouses myself, but uh, I would imagine it's it's pretty similar. Yeah. I mean, if you just kind of look at one organization and, you know, even coming up through the minor leagues, it's like, you know, you're in the same locker room. You've got the same, you know, the same resources essentially as everybody else. So what's, you know, what's causing this set of guys to, to fail out and the other set to, to move forward. And it's usually, you know, in between that guy's ears, it's got yeah, nothing it's to mindset. do with, with the resources that are, that are available and the support from the staff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so such good advice. Um, so so let's talk a little bit about you know what is what is this journey looked like for you so far? Because um, I think I'm trying to I'm trying to remember because we've been in business with our our installation franchises about the same amount of time. I think we signed before you, but we were having a kid, and so we kind of pushed our opening back a few months. So. so when did when did you actually open the business and and I guess just talk to us a little bit about how has that gone so far? What are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome? What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in your first you know year or so of of business ownership? Yeah, so we've been open for what fourteen months now, approximately. Um, you know what that looked like for me. I wasn't. I was involved. I was working at full time every day. I just wasn't, you know, in homes selling it and estimating it or in the attic installing it. I was, you know, answering phones, doing, doing everything else. And really it was, you know, early on the first few months, the biggest obstacle was just learning, learning the products, the services, understanding, you know, some of the science behind it mm -hmm. um, so that we could talk about it in a, in a, more effective manner. Yeah. And then, uh, and then figuring out my market and where, where we could fit, figuring out our pricing and, and all of, all of that stuff, figuring out just, just understanding how it works from the top down where it comes to, you know, just how am I going to deal with my distributors to better position myself for better pricing in the future, even mm -hmm. though it's not going to affect anything today, you know, some, some long-term you know, things were, were kind of put into action. And yeah, those first few months are definitely, you know, troublesome. I guess another, you know, another thing that we ran into a lot was just kind of being, being beholden to certain employees yeah, and, uh, and being let down by those employees. And then, and then, you know, kind of not knowing where to go because we had, we had given too much power away myself and my management team yeah. to, to employees that just didn't care. Um, mm. So, so figuring out how to, how to build and safeguard 
as much as you can from uh, from that type of exposure has been been a big that's you know, that's a trial great error. that's a great point because that's it's always a challenge right is is building out a, a good team that's reliable and and that you're not beholden to right and you know it's yeah. it's a big concern for you know everyone I've ever worked with that's gone on to buy a franchise right is well how am I going to find and keep good people and I believe that it doesn't matter what business you own. If you own a business, that will always be your biggest challenge. But yeah. it sounds like you learned some some valuable lessons, you know, over the course of the last 14 months or so. What's what's maybe one or two things you can you can share that you were able to implement or change to to put yourself in a better position when it comes to the team? Um you know, a couple things are, you know, always, uh, always having extra hands available, you know, whether it's uh, not being so focused on pinching a penny today, um, which, you know, put us in a bind when something goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, paying a little bit extra, sacrificing a little bit of that bottom line at the time for the comfort and peace of mind for when something goes wrong. Yep. Um, Cause it's, I mean, it saved, saves thousands over the, over the long run. Cause inevitably something is going to go wrong. And then, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, what to look for in employees, the type of employees, the mentalities um, and how to, how to motivate them, how to, you know, just again, you know, I, I mean, it's been my life, so I, I do tend to tie everything kind of back to athletics, but it's, yeah. you know, I'm just putting together a team and yeah. trying to figure out how to, how to lead these guys and how to get my team all moving in the same direction with the same goals at the end of every day, every month, every year. That's, that's been, you know, a big focus. Yeah, I think that's great advice, especially, I mean, all of it's golden advice. Um, you know, I remember us doing the same, you know, first two installers we hired. And I I've, I was a little bit different, you know, starting our our franchise. We had another business. You know, I, I was doing my consulting work. So we we had a general manager in place for day one. So I didn't I didn't dive in and roll my sleeves up quite quite as much as you did in the beginning. And and I think that served you well, you know, just your, your knowledge and understanding of more of the technical aspect of the business uh, is probably far greater than mine, but I can remember having to make some pretty tough decisions in the beginning when it came to, you know, hiring our first couple of installers, you know, we, we decided, and it's proven to be, I think the right decision, but we decided to guarantee those guys 40 hours a week knowing good and well that we weren't going to have 40 hours a week worth of revenue generating work for them to do. But we knew it was going to be tough to get good people and, and actually keep them around. If we said, Hey, you know, we're going to try to keep you as busy as we can, but one week it might be 20 hours. The next week it might be 25. So, so we made an investment and, and both of those guys are still with us. They're both, you know, crew leaders for us today. And, and so, so far it's, it's been good, but that, that was a tough decision to make, right? Because you're looking at yeah. how much extra your payroll is going to be uh, because you've made that decision, but it showed those guys that we were willing to invest in them and, and they didn't have to worry week in and week out. What's my check going to look like? You know, they, they knew what that was going to look like. And so they've gone on to, to be, 
you know, hardworking, loyal employees for us thus far. Um, so I, I think that's good. I'm, I'm curious because, you know, you, you did, and I know this from, from talking to you over the last, you know, year or so, um, you, you really did roll up your sleeves. It, you know, to me, it seems like you weren't afraid to, to work in any aspect of the business that you needed to uh, in the beginning. But you also mentioned early on in this conversation that part of what attracted you to this franchise was the scalability. So, you know, it sounds like you had a really good vision for what you wanted to build this into, what you wanted your role to look like over time as the business grew. So I guess the question I'm getting at is, did you struggle at all with having to, to maybe put any ego aside to say, because I, I mean, I can imagine you go from playing major league baseball and, and now you're, you know, answering the phone, talking to someone about insulation in an attic. Did you ever have to struggle with like, man, what am I doing? Like, 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 how do I find myself here? Like you've got this vision, but cause I know for me, like times I've kind of been in the trenches, you lose sight a little bit of the vision and you're like, start to second guess, guess yourself a little bit. Did, did you yeah. struggle yeah, with course. any of that? Yeah. At, at, at times, you know, I mean, the goal is always to get to where I'm working on the business and not in it. And yeah, you do get kind of, you know, in the trenches and you, you don't see, you know, from that perspective when you're in that. And yeah, of course, you know, I've, I've had to do that. I've had to, you know, get in there on installs and, and, and do sales and, and do all of it, which I think has been valuable yeah. experience, you know, in, in, in teaching and, and, you know, the people knowing that I know what I'm talking about, that I'm, that I'm dealing with. Um, but yeah, you know, my, my goal was to, to get to a point where I'm not in it. Um, and that's, that's what we're doing. We're, we're scaling right now and we're just kind of slowly, slowly, you know, have replaced myself from, from that day to day and, and just, you know, getting to the point now where it's, you know, we start this thing as, as a small operation with a small team and, you know, to scale, you're going to have to, you're going to have to change the structure. The same structure that you begin with is not going to be, you know, where you're fully mature at and trying to figure out when yeah. to, uh, to make some of those changes has been a challenge. It's, you know, the same thing with your installers, guaranteeing them 40 hours a week. It's, you know, now I'm, I'm hiring someone to take, to take all the phone responsibilities away from my other people that are in the fields that have other responsibilities. And I'm, I'm doing that now in hopes that, you know, everyone else's productivity is going to go up just because this is one less thing for them to worry about. If we get the right person in, you know, it can, it can really, you know, propel us forward, even though I might be, you know, paying a little more on the front end, it's, it's definitely got to happen for where I want it to be. So trying to, you know, it is kind of like a game where you're just trying yeah. to figure out, you know, do I make that move now? Do I wait six months? You know, how costly is it going to be if I do it too early? Yep. Type of thing. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that, right? But I, I think the the underlying point is, you know, as a business owner, if the goal is to to keep scaling the business, you do need to be prepared to to keep reinvesting in the business. And I love what you said you know, what that business looks like, you know, in the first couple of months compared to what it looks like at scale, where it's doing, you know, multiple seven figures a year in revenues, very, very different. And 
I mean, I, I can remember having a lot of conversations with our GM about that in the beginning because he was, you know, kind of more like you answering the phone, helping on installs, out running every single estimate. And, you know, I, we talked a lot about the importance of putting systems and processes in place early because it's only going to get more difficult as the business grows and the team grows and we just have more going on to then go back and and put some of those systems and processes yeah. in place. But, you know, there was some coaching with him around like, look, you're, you're wearing all these hats now, but the goal is, you know, to build a team out around you so that you can get to where you're more of the quarterback and you're managing and, and overseeing. And we're really starting to get to that point now, but you know, every business is going to be a little bit different in this particular business. It's yeah. When do I need another installer? When do I need another truck? When do I need another rig? You know, we're, at a point where we're, we've outgrown the the warehouse that that we have, so we need to go make an investment, and you need to be prepared to do that. I think sometimes it's hard, you know, for owners to get comfortable doing that because it's literally mm -hmm. taking money out of your pocket, right? You can say, hey, I could yeah. I could pay myself this month, or <laughs> I could go reinvest that into the business, which is going to help the business grow. It's probably going to be better for the team, and and so you just have to be prepared to make some of those those hard decisions and. And you never know exactly when, right? You may pull the trigger on an investment too early. You may wait too long. Either of those are going to have consequences. So it really is kind of a game. And, and I think you just have to be prepared to make decisions and then assess afterwards, right? If it was the yeah. right decision, great. Learn from that. If it was the wrong decision, great too. Learn from that and do what you need to do to, to you know, keep working towards the, the goal. Um, what, yeah, they're, uh, not one, they're not one-time decisions. You know, you're going to have these yeah. decisions over and over again. So screwing it up the first time is fine because you're going to make that same, be in that same spot, you know, five, six, seven, eight more times. Exactly. And, uh, and now yeah. you've learned, right? Yeah, it, exactly. So, so I want to make sure that, that the listeners kind of understand what, what we're talking about, right? Cause we, you know, you've looked at a lot of franchises, you're, you're doing yeah. the same type of consulting work. So you see hundreds and hundreds of franchises, right? So talk to me a little bit about why you were attracted to, you know, more of what we would call a, a service-based franchise versus something that was probably more similar to some of the fitness concepts that, that Andy had initially talked to you about where those are going to be more brick and mortar so you know to really keep scaling it it's a matter of adding locations yes so so kind of walk us through why that that is attractive to you and and where you see a service-based business being being more scalable in in your eyes yeah it's just i mean they're both scalable it's just a different type of scalability um you know and when i was initially looking you know i was looking right you know in the months leading up to COVID. So once, once COVID hit and I was about to go to discovery day with a, with a brick and mortar, you know, I said, well, this changes, this is, this is kind of uncharted territory, but I don't want a business where the government could shut down the ability for people to walk in my doors, which makes yep. it impossible for me to make money. Yep. Um, so that was, that was at that time, the leading you know, factor. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that's going to be a relevant concern moving forward, like it was for that period of time. Yeah. But that that was a big motivation for me. And then, you know, in terms of scalability, if I've got enough 
you know, you could do it multiple ways if you're buying enough territories, you know, up front, if you can do that, then you can just now when I, you know, when I want to grow, if I want to go from a, you know, double in size, I, I don't, the only expense is equipment, equipment yeah. and adding labor yeah. as opposed to, you know, now, and, and you can do that quickly too. That's right. You yeah. Know, you don't have to go out to, and buy yeah. more territory to give yourself the opportunity to, to keep growing the business. Right. I mean, the, the way most of these service-based franchises, the way they kind of define territories is, you know, usually a territory is based on a certain number of population or a certain number of households or, or some sort of, you know, demographic measurement. And you're going to have a lot more opportunity to scale something up with a territory versus with a location. I guess, I guess one way to look at it is in, in anything brick and mortar, one location, you're going to be able to pretty easily calculate, all right, what is the maximum amount of revenue that one location can do per year? And there's not really anything you can do to increase that, you know, beyond a certain point. Yeah. Well, in a service-based business, especially something like what, what we do with insulation, we're working with homeowners, right? So we're working with existing homeowners. We're working with builders that are building new homes, or, or that's an option at least. Mm -hmm. So unless you get to the point where your business is literally already put insulation in every house in Nashville and the surrounding areas, and you're working with every single new builder that is, is building a house, um, you're not going to hit that ceiling, right? And, and I'm joking yeah. halfway, but you know, you're never going to get hundred percent market penetration like that. But so theoretically, is there a ceiling? Yes, but it's a very, very high ceiling. And also again, pertaining to this business, they're not going to stop building new houses in, in Nashville and the surrounding yeah. areas anytime soon. Right. So that's the other thing is like you're, you're in a service-based franchise, your territory is likely going to actually grow in size over time. Yeah. And the market cap or the, yeah, your, your cap potential in your territory is going to be exponentially higher than whatever your, your occupancy of your brick and mortar is. That's, that's right. You know, that's, that's very, you know, you can calculate that you can only, you know, have so many fitness classes per day with so many people in the room. So once you sell out every one of those, you got a nice business, but there, you know, it's, you can't grow it really beyond that. So then you have to go and you have to purchase another one. And then, uh, and that requires, you know, another build out. And those, those are, you know, what, nine, 10, 12 months to kind of get off the ground. Whereas, yeah. you know, in a service space, you can, you know, maybe not in this market right now, but you could go, you know, a year ago, you could go to any dealership in your city and pick up a new F-250 and, and another trailer. And, you know, within a couple of weeks, you could be ramping up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You could move a lot faster. Like, I mean, you know, we're, we're recording this late May. So we're, you know, five months into to 2022. Uh, I mean, we are on pace. We weren't open for, for all of 2021 in our insulation business, but we're on pace to, to more than double you know, what we did in 2021. So that's pretty, pretty quick ramp up in our other franchise business, which is also a service-based business. We literally doubled the business in 2021 compared to what we did in 2020. And that was our third 
yeah, our third year of business. So um, that, that ability to ramp up quicker is there. Yeah. And I, I think there's more levers. I, I always, like, I, I use this in a lot of the coaching with my GM. It's like, kind of like we talked about earlier with there's only certain things we can control, right? Like in our insulation franchise, the, the product costs what it costs. You know, we, we've got some ways, you know, as we do more volume to maybe order in larger quantities and that, that can bring some of our costs down. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it costs what it costs. We don't control that. But so we have to really be able to look at our business intelligently, understand what are the levers that we actually have the ability to pull on to drive better results. Well, you know, we, we sell product, right? So we can improve our close rate, right? We can capitalize on more of the opportunities that we have. We can sell more product, right? So we can increase our average ticket or our average job amount. Um, we can spend more on marketing if we know where to spend those dollars to actually drive more leads. And if you have a good close rate, that's going to have an impact on, on your top and bottom line. And so it's really just, there's plenty of things in any business you can't control. What are the things you do have the ability to impact? And, and that's where you need to be laser focused and, and always looking to get better. And, and I think, I think you have more of that in, in a lot of these service-based franchises than, than you do in many of your, your, what I call retail franchises where clients yeah. are coming to your location. Yeah. And I, I think there's, you know, there's tremendous value in those retail type businesses as well. And it's, it's not something that I'm, you know, I'm opposed to doing myself in the next, in the next few years with the Definitely. right opportunity. It's, it, it's all about, you know, I, I think there's pros and cons for each one where it's, it's a lot harder, you know, like you're doing with Koala to start something in the service-based industry and not be fully hands-on. There's, yeah. there's going to be a difference in, in the ramp up. Whereas you can do that much quicker and easier in a, in a retail where it's yeah. fixed, um, you know, so it's depending on the type of, you know, candidate you or I are working with, you know, I, I don't think, you know, either one of us are just saying, you know, this is, I'm, I'm in service, so I'm going to push everybody to service because I believe in it. Um, they just, you know, it's about educating yourself and others on, on on, Hey, what, what are, what are my priorities? What am I looking to do and, yeah. and finding that fit? Yeah. You're, you're so right. Because, you know, everyone, and I say this all the time, like I'm, I'm a big believer that there's, there's not a one size fits all approach to, to finding a franchise just because you and I own a franchise doesn't mean it's the right fit for everyone else that we talk to. Um, I don't, I don't recommend the franchises that I own to very many people that I work with unless they're in a situation yeah. based on what I've learned about them that I think it, it could really be a good fit. So yeah, it really does depend on, you know, where are you at? What are you looking to accomplish short-term and long-term? You have to, to kind of look at both of those and like for where we're at today, if we were to go do a third franchise brand in the next year or two, I, I can promise you it would be something more brick and mortar, right? Where I could yeah. hire like an assistant manager. They don't necessarily have to be like the highest caliber you know, employee out there. And it's more of a, if you do it with the right franchise brand, it's more of a build it and they will come. Whereas with these service-based yep. franchises, it's a, Hey, here's the playbook, but you got to go out and build a market. You got to go out and, and make it happen. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, 
different. Uh, it's going to be different for everyone. Um, yeah, so. and that's I. I think, you know, you and I, being being in the the franchise we are together, you know, hearing complaints of other people, it's it's. I think we can offer a service to our candidates to avoid some of those errors. To, yeah. To let somebody know ahead of time, like, hey, this is what you're getting into. This is, you know, a service-based model is not something you want to get into and just think that people are going to come to you. And, you know, you buy a shiny truck and people are going to just beg you to come, you know, provide your service. That's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a different, it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, not that it's bad. It's just, you know, I think it would benefit a lot of people to, to have a better understanding of what they're getting into. Yeah. Um, Realistic expectations and, yeah. and what is it really going to take to, to be successful? Because that, that looks different in in different types of franchises for sure. Um, and, and the, the, you know, realistic time frame to yeah. actually start seeing any sort of an ROI is going to be different. Like, if I'm working with someone that is, you know, in transition mode, right. Maybe they got laid off and, and they don't have another income stream, or maybe they've got a severance package, but it's running out in a couple of months. And they're like, Hey, I want to go all in on owning the business. I have no interest in going back to work for someone else again. I'm probably not, unless they have a lot of savings built up and they can easily cover their living expenses for 12 to 18 months. I'm probably not talking to them about anything brick and mortar because as you pointed out earlier that's six to nine months at least just to get your doors open and be in a position to start generating any income so a good service-based business probably going to require less capital up front in the first place but you're going to be if you're willing to put in the work you're going to be in a position to to ramp up and start seeing some income quicker so it, it really is just understanding where someone's coming from helping educate them on the the different options. And like you said, they all have pros and cons. The, the, the perfect franchise isn't out there, um, doesn't exist. So helping someone understand those pros and cons, helping them get some realistic expectations. And look, the good thing with a franchise is it doesn't just have to come from us or, or whatever consultant you're working with. You know, if, if you're, if the franchisor has, has a good, research process in place you're going to get to talk to other owners right that that are actually doing it and that's the most valuable piece of the research you can really do because you're gonna you're gonna really get to see what does this look like what is what does a day in the life look like what does it actually take to to be successful yeah that's that's by far and away the most valuable part of you know investigating a franchise before you buy and i would say it's the most valuable part of being in a franchise system after you buy too having having that network of other people that are in it and doing it and you know i mean you know i i know we've talked and i've told people you know i wasted a lot of money on marketing so that other people in our franchise don't have to yeah i've proven proven some things just don't work um but yeah so so things like that are are just as valuable as any branding or anything you're going to get from the franchisor yeah i i couldn't agree with you more you know, especially if if the culture amongst the owners in a brand is really, you know, one of of shared learning and and everyone kind of looking at it as as hey, we're in this together and and we can all help each other. 
And I think we very much have that, you know, in, in Koala, the other franchise, my wife and I own the culture is, is phenomenal. And cause look at the end of the day, whatever the franchise is like at a certain point, you're not going to rely on the franchise or to teach you the business or train you the business. You'll, you'll kind of have it figured out. Right. But like in the case of Koala, now you're 14 months in, we're 12 or 13 months in, like we can talk to each other and share what we've tried that has worked, that hasn't worked. And that's incredibly valuable. And, and I may not be able to get as much of that from Koala HQ, right? Because, you know, they're, they're not walking it like, like you are. And so that's, that's, I guess, less tangible, you know, when you're, when you're doing the research, it's hard to kind of put like a, a dollar amount in terms of the value you can get from other franchisees, but it is so, so important. I mean, first thing I tell anyone I work with that, that goes on and actually signs franchise agreements, I call them and I'm like, congratulations. This is amazing. You've just taken a step that most people only dream about doing now go start making friends. It's kind of like yeah. first day of middle school, right? It's like, go yeah, exactly. get out there, figure out who the cool kids are, figure out who are the people you want to stay away from because every franchise is going to have what I would consider toxic franchise owners too, that want to do nothing but complain about, you know, corporate's not doing this. My market sucks, whatever the, the excuse is. So stay away from those people, figure out who they are, stay away and go start making friends with the people that are, are running businesses like you want to run. Just like you said you did in the beginning, you found people that were living lives similar to what you wanted your life to be like and just learn from them, become friends with them. I think it's the, the best thing a new franchise owner can do. Yeah, and that's that's something you just can't, like if I wanted to start my own insulation company in the same market, just without a franchise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a network of 60 other insulation company owners that would be willing to talk to me and share things with me on a regular basis. Yeah. Like that, like it's going to be hard to find anybody in your own market doing that. And how are you going to create that network outside of your market without, yeah. without those connections? Exactly. Exactly. But, but Brandon, you could save the franchise fees uh, if you just started your own insulation company. Yeah, I could, but I, it would take me, Oh, man, I can't even imagine where I'd be 14 months in without the head start I got. I, I mean, I, you know, you're not going to leave training with any franchise being an expert, being completely proficient, being at the level you need to be to have a mature business. But you're going to you're, you're going to jumpstart it. You're going to be ahead of where you would have been without it. That's that's for sure. Let's let's put the hundred percent for sure. Let's let's give the audience a little bit of perspective here, and and we don't have to share specific numbers. And and I know you're a pretty pretty humble guy. I mean, you you exceeded seven figures in revenue in your first twelve months. Okay, so yes, you paid some money up front to become a franchisee and secure your protected territories, but that investment puts you in a position to ramp to a seven figure business pretty damn quick. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what I think a lot of people miss when, when they look at it and say, well, I just start this business on my own. I don't need to pay the upfront fees. I don't need to give them a, a percentage of my revenue indefinitely. Um, well, in some franchises, that's probably the case, right? Cause you're not going to get enough upfront support to justify what it costs you. 
you're not going to get enough ongoing support to justify the fees that you're paying. That's where the research comes into play, right? But in a good franchise, you should be able to pretty quickly see, okay, yeah, it will cost me maybe some more upfront, but this is what I'm getting for it. And this is how that's going to help me and, and actually make it worth that investment. There's, there's a value exchange. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, if I wanted to really dig into it, I'm sure I could try to put, you know, a monetary value on what, what I got to help that ramp, you know, where I would be without it. Um, And you know, a value on that, that network of franchisees. And it's, I mean, you know, the royalties seem pretty fair when I look at it from that from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, and and you just have to be willing to look at it that way, right? I mean, and and yeah. some of it's just just understanding opportunity costs too, right? Because yeah. you know, in the case of our business, and and I tell people this all the time, like the the way the franchisor adds value is going to look at least a little bit different depending on the type of business that you're in, but. I mean, with with Koala Insulation, we walked into relationships with manufacturers and distributors that if you were just Brandon's Insulation Co. or I was Wes's Insulation Co., it'd probably take three, four months of us calling them for them to even yes. take us seriously. <laughs> yeah, right. Just to just to get those. Yeah, just you know, you take for granted picking up the phone and calling, you know, someone that you're going to buy buy insulation from. Or yeah, like you said, it might be weeks or months before they even you know want to even have that conversation with me yeah i mean look at look at the equipment setup right and again different for every business but this is easy for us to talk about because we were both in the same business i remember being shocked the first time i saw the inside of our spray foam rig yeah it looks like it looks like something nasa put together like it's (laughs) it's pretty darn complicated right like imagine how long it would have taken if you said hey I see a massive opportunity in the insulation industry and I want to make sure I'm in a position to provide spray foam, but you knew nothing about it. And so you had to figure out, all right, what do I need to actually be able to be a spray foam provider? Who are the manufacturers of the equipment? What training do I need? How do I package it all together in a rig that's going to be functional for my installers? For, for me, you know, knowing, knowing my strengths and skill sets a little bit, that's a year plus for me just to figure that out on my own. So, you know, that's a month, that's a week, that's a week's time for me. It's a week of looking into it and deciding to look somewhere else and do something entirely different. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. That too, that too. Right. Whereas with Koala, it was, it was like an order form. It was like them educating us. Like, this is what you need. This is why, this is why we've, you know, packaged it the way we have. Like clearly they had put a lot of time into figuring out the best, set up for the rigs and the equipment and then all we had to do was order it you know like Mm -hmm. easy turnkey so we could go on and on with examples but that's that's the way you need to be looking at it right and and i'll say it again doesn't mean every company that's a franchise is giving you the value the the way that you should be getting it so that's where the research really comes in into play you need to to really do your due diligence the right way um, and, and like we said earlier, talking to, to owners is so key because they're going to validate everything the franchisor is telling you, you know, when you're going through the research. Um, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know, I know you're busy, got a lot going on, but I, I want to ask you and definitely understandable if, if, um, you know, you, you don't know for sure, but I, I know these are things you're thinking about, 
you know, outside of, of consulting and, and helping other people learn, you know, what you've been able to learn uh, when it comes to franchising. I mean, what do you, what do you see next? You've obviously, you guys got, obviously got a lot of room to keep growing your insulation franchise. Um, do, do you see yourself at this point in time going on to invest in other franchise businesses? Do you think that's a likely part of your, your long-term growth strategy? I, I absolutely do. You know, I, I personally want to get, you know, this franchise to, you know, a level of maturity, whatever that means, which I probably won't even know for a couple more years. Yeah. What, what that could look like or will look like, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, consulting and helping people. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm on the lookout for that, for that next business, you know, whether it's, myself or my something for my wife to run and uh to feel a little of that fulfillment that that i get from from running this um you know i I definitely you know there'll definitely be another one coming down the line and i I think that's important too you know you're a perfect example of it you know what we're seeing in in the market now and and just in general the more revenue streams you can create for yourself the you know, the more resilient and, and, and ready you can be and build for that, for that future. So that's, you know, that's something that we, we talk about and want to do. And obviously, you know, that comes with a lot of careful planning and and timing. Um, You can't just run in and buy four businesses at once and expect them to succeed. It's no, no, trying to, trying to balance that and plan it. But, but yeah, I'll definitely, you know, I'm just a, I'm a big believer in franchising um, for all the reasons we've been stating, you know, while keeping that perspective that, that, Hey, I, I own this, this is, it's on me to make these succeed. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's no, there's no silver bullet. There's no, you know, Oh, this is the hot thing. All I have to do is pay this fee. And now I get to ride this money train. Like that, like that franchise uh, doesn't exist. Nope. Um, but there are, there are, you know, some trains are better carriers of, of, of what you want than others. And finding that right fit um, is, is what I'm looking for. You know, whether it's next year, three years from now, there'll, there'll definitely be another one coming yeah. down the line. Well said, all, all of that very well said. And, and, you know, I, I think, couple things I would highlight there. One, you don't want to rush into it, right? Um, because then you could, you know, do a disservice to to your first business, you know, or if, if you're buying your third one, you may, if you do it too soon, you may do a disservice to, to your second business. Um, but I, I would also highlight, I mean, especially in, in the world we're living in today, I think the more, the more you can be diversified, the more income streams you have, the better position you're going to be. I, I interviewed a guy recently on the podcast has nothing to do with franchising, but um, you know, he's very tied into like the, the labor landscape and the future of HR and, and things of that nature. And, you know, he's got this kind of phrase that he's coined because especially since COVID we've heard a lot uh, of terminology thrown around like the new normal. Right. And he's like, no, that's, that's BS. It's the never normal. He's like, that's, that's what people need to get comfortable with. It's the never normal, right? I mean, the way, the way technology is, is advancing, 
uh, the way the world is changing at such a rapid pace, like you need to, you need to be adaptable. And if you're not, if you're not adaptable, you're not going to be very well positioned uh, for, for whatever change comes our way. Uh, you know, it's COVID last year. Now it's, what do we got now? Monkeypox. I mean, who, who knows, <laughs> who knows what's coming down the pike? Yep. No, that that's right. I'm just trying to, you know, stay, stay ahead of it. And, you know, it's a lot of it's personality driven and that's, yeah. that's one thing that, you know, I try to, to get across to people I'm working with or just talking to in general you know, franchising can be a, a great, a great tool if, uh, if you want to apply it. And there's people that are set up and can be very successful using other tools. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just about, about taking the time and figuring out what, what can get you where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, man, I really appreciate you you coming on the show and, and sharing some of your story, your experience, your advice. I know uh, everyone that listens to this is going to get uh, huge amounts of value from it. So I appreciate it and um, really enjoyed getting to know you. Look forward to, you know, continuing to, uh, you know, get to know you and, and uh, you know, we'll keep learning from each other. It's been a lot of fun, but um, I, I have no doubt there will be plenty more of that to come. So I appreciate everything you're doing. And uh, thanks for dropping in on the Path of Freedom podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Wes. Really enjoyed it. Got it. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.